RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Season 5, Episode 5, Emmy Plans, April 18th, 1990. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Well, welcome back, Star Trek fans, all you background fans especially. Hey, you canonistas, I do say that lovingly. And of course, of course, our Trekophiles, spelled with an F. Listen, um... Interesting show this week. It's not quite Emmy season, but we've got uh, a topic that uh, talks about uh, award shows in general. And I've got a very special guest who's returning to the show to talk about it with us. So look, as always, check out our Facebook page, The Trek Files. Look at this week's documents. But for now, you can hear a sample and then hang in. I'll be right back with this week's guest. My instinct tells me that our best shot for an award is in the male actor categories, and that if he can just get himself nominated, Patrick really has a chance to win. Who else is there this year? I'd be willing to spend some of my own money to take out an ad or two in the trades during June to do some low-key waving to the Academy. Let's discuss. All right, Trekophiles. Yes, you were listening to the words of the late, great Michael Pillar there. Uh, here's an aspect of the whole TV industry that, you know, for, for people who are focused on some aspect of just getting the damn show done, all that after stuff, the fluff, the cherry on top that happens later on, uh, that in many ways can ensure a show's legacy or even promote it to a greater extent than upfront advertising does, or the social media campaigns. We're talking about the award seasons. And uh, even though we're talking about 30 years ago, 1990, there are a lot of uh, techniques and strategies that go into that whole end of the industry. So here out of the um, – actually, the yesterday's Enterprise files, um, we're talking about the campaign to uh, shine a spotlight on that episode and an emerging new hit show called Star Trek the next generation, in general to a world that was not used to looking at science fiction, much less syndicated television. Here's some documents that will shed a little bit of light on this revolution that was in the works. And uh, I say yesterday's Enterprise. I can think of no one better to talk about all things yesterday's Enterprise with than our old friend and returning guest, Eric Stilwell. Eric. Hey, I'm glad to be back. Thanks for coming back for this. I know this is not the core essence of yesterday's Enterprise as an episode, as a writing and an acting uh, exercise, but you have to admit that yesterday's Enterprise and the third season of Next Gen was where everything really took off, where everything yeah, changed. I right? think yesterday's Enterprise was the turning point. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, our documents this week would show that we have a page of uh, the NTIs, and these are the ratings, but they're not the regular Nielsen. How was what was going on there? I mean, I'm not a ratings expert, but th these were the syndicated ratings that, that would tell the producers how many households were watching an episode. And it turns out during the third season of Next Generation, Yesterday's Enterprise had the highest rating with over right. 13 The index million, number, 13.1? 13 million households. And, uh, and total, yeah, 12.070. Uh, um, 
Holmes watching. And the average rating was 10.6 for the season. Right. In a, yes, so there, it was way above the season high, a uh, season average. But we're talking about these are syndicated ratings, and people have always heard the Nielsen's for years, the Nielsen ratings um, for terrestrial broadcast. We don't have it in well, the streaming side now. The interesting thing is these numbers are bigger than network television today. Because oh, right. this was a time period where the three or four networks were... Monopoly? Yeah. I mean, there was, this was before Showtime and HBO and everybody owned the awards right. programs, too. Right. So the shows that well, were... Well, by owning, you mean they owned the, the nominations that came in. Yeah. Because now a network television show can hardly be considered for an award. <laughs> and back then, it was all network programming. So syndication was the outlier then, but it was sort of like the precursor of uh, the next generation of television. Right, right. Well, and, 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 even, and then at the time when you had ABC, NBC, CBS, and then Fox was the new kid on the block, even then you had the, Niels, the traditional Nielsen's yeah. because if it was a network show, it was on at 8 o'clock Tuesday or it's on at 9 o'clock Saturday night, right. and you could compare apples to apples, right. right, with the shows against each other in that time slot. But this, the whole point of syndication, which Next Generation pioneered as one hour, you know, there have been game shows, talk shows, you know, there have been right. syndication, reruns especially. But as a one-hour original drama, that was another point that we don't always talk about, that Next Generation right. was the a pioneer. Right, the episode aired in a, in a time frame of one week. So like yesterday's Enterprise premiered the week of February right. 19th, but it wasn't in every market on the same day. Right. Like a network television show. I keep reminding people that Next Gen and DS9 were both syndicated and right. that they didn't have a single premiere date. So, yeah, the week of is the, is the, uh, the week of being uh, Mondays, I think, through the weekend. So every market saw it on a different night, which means you can't say, here's how this show lined up against every other show well, in also, one time slot. Well, also, it could be one market could have it on at 6 p.m. and one market could have it on at 2 a.m. in the morning. Right, so right. your audience was going to be different in every market. And a lot of the markets would, would play it a second time, which didn't happen with network television. Right. You could have it at 6 o'clock on Tuesday night, and then they'd rerun it at, at uh, 8 o'clock on Sunday or something. Right. You'd have two showings in one week. So it was this tricky... It was a tricky uh, math project, but this, but NTI did develop a formula and a way to do that. So you could measure apples to apples for even the poor syndicated shows that were the. St and I say stepchildren because all the attention went to the Nielsens, right? right. The mm -hmm. network Nielsens got all the press and all the promotion, and people would say, "What's the number one show this week?" No one looked to say, "But don't forget the syndications," because no one cared up until Next Generation. Right. I mean, literally, Next Generation pioneered this new format which now has been bypassed but for that 10 15 years it was a whole new way to more creative people could bypass <laughs> the gatekeeping of the but i think networks. i think this yeah. was sort of the precursor to all the streaming and cable and all these other outlets that didn't exist back right. then. and now we have peak tv so yeah. we, we blame next generation but as far as our other documents this week the other end of that was that was that was the looming revolution but right. was what was the problem of uh, John Wentworth that's mentioned here and everybody in promotion at Paramount and Paramount TV was how do we get the world at large to get that? And most and, of all, how do we get the Emmy voters? And John was the VP of publicity for the Yes, studio. thank you. Yes. Their, their challenge here was to get that across to the Emmy voters. And yes. again, it's a small town. 
Nobody in Oklahoma City or Des Moines cares about this. They may see the output of it, the product of it, but this is a very much an L.A. Uh, situation. And I think, you know, that was usually left to the publicity department, and maybe Rick would be mm-hmm. slightly involved, but um, basically, back in those days, they just re-ran the episodes in the same exact order that they appeared the first time, mm-hmm. and whatever happened to fall during a key critical period of the Emmy nomination process was just random. But Michael Pillar took it upon himself to want to be more directly involved in like manipulating the the possibility. That firebrand, that pioneer. <laughs> I mean, he had won two Emmys for his work in Chicago before mm-hmm. that, so he, he had a history with television. Well, that he's strategizing. And, you know, most people would say... Matter of perspective, yesterday's Enterprise. But he looked at the calendar, saw, and let's look at this. He's, it's a, here's a, and this is something that really hasn't changed much. When do the Emmy ballots go out? When's the deadline? Oh, look, we've got two weekends. Let's load up two episodes here in town on KCOP, Channel 13. What are we going to load up with? And they rerun um, Best of Both Worlds, part one, and yesterday's Enterprise. And the next weekend, they rerun yesterday's Enterprise and The Offspring. Now, what is this? This is kind of interesting here. One point we slightly disagree is that I believe, this is Michael talking, I believe Yesterday's Enterprise is an overall better episode than The Offspring. Is that... I, I, I'm confused a little bit because I had seen some other memos in the past where Michael had tried to convince Rick that Yesterday's Enterprise wasn't the best episode of the season, and Rick vehemently disagreed with him that yesterday's enterprise was the best i don't know how the offspring got into the mix but it's kind of funny when you consider now 25 years later or 30 years later right that's sort of the story of picard the new series <laughs> right that that was the debate that we were having back then well we could even if we wanted to tangent a whole other episode we could talk about the original plot for the movie insurrection yes and yes. romulans but we won't go there Compared to what's happened with Picard now. So it's interesting. This is just a daily memo back and forth with John Wentworth that we mentioned. Um, And the only two creative awards, which is, I always hated that term because it means that people that work in makeup and production design and visual effects are creative. Those are technical. Those are technical, yeah. Um, So they're talking about the acting, directing, uh, writing. Uh, But they're trying to push Patrick as best actor and then the drama series. And ironically... As the years went by, they did finally get the dramatic series nomination finally. for the last season. Yes. Michael's Michael's determination paid off in the long run. Unfortunately, Patrick never got no. uh, a nomination. And I think Brent was up there in that mm-hmm. category, too, mm-hmm. for a few years. So, And then we have the, uh, this, the, the last of our documents here is kind of plotting this out. It's, it's really from April, the month before here. Um, when he's finally li- he's lining out the strategy here. And we heard in our sample, uh, Michael is showing a degree of that passion. I would give up my own money. <laughs> Can we take out some ads? Now, this is, again, right, we're pre-digital. See, this is where Michael actually says, I think the offspring, uh, we, we, we might cons- uh, consider flip-flopping the two episodes mm-hmm. because I think the offspring is a more serious and, frankly, better episode than yesterday's Enterprise. Between those two. But, my, but Rick compare. Berman totally disagreed with him. Yeah. And good on Rick. 
Good on Rick. That guy's going to go places. He, may, <laughs> he might stick around. Um, yeah, they're first hashing out the strategy. But I like it. I've been laughed at for this. He wanted to have a local event so that Emmy voters, uh, a special night rerun here. He wanted to have a, a televised event, not an in-person event, and promote it as a way for Emmy voters to look. And he's saying laughed at. It was a radical idea. But that's the kind of promotion now that's, you know, Oscar and Emmy campaigns for movies are like off the charts now. Well, even... Think of think of all the, the the promotion that went into the launch of a streaming series for Picard. Right. All the premieres, world premieres, and I'm like, what the hell? This is like, it's like a feature motion picture for kind of uh, And I like, but his you know his uh, his closing thought here on this earlier, I guess what it all comes down to is we've got the stuff to get nominated in creatives, but not enough people in the industry see us. We've got to have a specific effort to get their attention. So he was, you know, growing this nation operation. And again, I don't think it was so much about us being syndicated TV. as the, the fact that we are science fiction. Yeah. And science fiction's always sort of been written off as not really a serious contender. Right. Until more recently in the entertainment industry. But I will say um, he succeeded in getting us three technical nominations for yesterday's Enterprise, and they won two of them. Okay, oh, here's where we'll disagree. You say it was the science fiction nature. To me, these ratings that we're looking at here, the NTIs, they're always like the asterisk ratings to me. And in a town that's all consumed about, you know, if it's not on the main Nielsen's list, how good could it be? Right, that was part of it, the fact that it was sci-fi. Maybe. Is a, is a double whammy. Yep. But I think people's radar screens, especially if you're talking about something that's out of your main wheelhouse. Right. Uh, anyway, it was a double whammy. It just whammy. wasn't on their radar. Right, right. It took... Next Generation had to revolutionize the industry before anybody actually looked at the quality of the show. Right. And we finally got there after seven seasons. Yeah. Well, hey, Eric, thanks for coming by and sharing uh, some insight here on um, an aspect of the whole game that we don't think about very often. But I loved this back and forth between Michael and Rick here um, and trying to coach John Wentworth to up his game. <laughs> it's like we've never seen anything like this before, Captain, because, once again, right. they were pioneering something totally new. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. It was great to be here. Thanks, Eric. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. All of our documents and your chance to comment are available at facebook.com slash thetruckfiles. Now, for more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. That's me. At larrynimacek.com. Trek well, everybody. podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network